0: Produce Customer Experience Podcast. Delivering great customer experience every time is really, really hard. If it was easy, more companies would be doing it. We all know that ain't happening. That's exactly where this show comes in. Every episode, we take a close look at companies who are getting customer experience right. Whether it's over the phone, over technology such as social media or apps on your smartphone, or in person there are some companies who are just really good at this. This show looks at what they're doing differently to make their customers love them, and introduces us to the people whose job it is to make great customer experience happen. So if delivering exceptional customer experience is part of your business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Pat Perdue, and I'm glad you and found us. yes, thank you very much, Pat Purdue, for that fabulous introduction. I'm Pat Perdue. <laughs> And this is Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Experience, and I'm really glad you joined us. This is the Shep Hyken conversation, and if you're not familiar with Shep's work, you will be shortly, and not to steal the thunder from his formal introduction, which will come up momentarily, but one of the things that came out of Shep's and my conversation was something that he does very specifically within his own office to consistently raise the customer experience bar for his own customers. And uh, Shep gets into that. It's really, really, really interesting and something that we can all apply. So without any further ado, I hope it's a fabulous day wherever you are. And here's my conversation with Shep. Shep Hiken is a customer service expert. A professional speaker and best-selling author, Shep works with companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. His articles have been seen in hundreds of publications, and he's the author of many books on customer experience, including Moments of Magic and The Loyal Customer, both Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestsellers, The Cult of the Customer, and The Amazement Revolution, which were also recognized as New York Times bestsellers. And his latest book is Amaze Every Customer Every Time. Shep is also the creator of the Customer Focus Program, which helps clients develop a customer service culture and loyalty mindset. Shep, welcome to our show.
1: Well, you did a great job. My mother would be proud of me based on that introduction.
0: (laughs) Well, she has a lot to be proud of, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, Shep, it's such an honor to have you on our show today. Uh, For the folks listening, Shep and I were chatting a little bit before the show and I have seen Shep speak. And Shep, I just want to say that you're such a great speaker. Not only are you super informed about your subject matter, I mean, you know, that's your sort of ticket in the door, but also you have a really great way of engaging with your audience, being funny, drawing them into the conversation, and making sure that they leave your presentation with a tremendous amount of value. So just wanted to give you that shout out and also to reiterate the fact that it's great to have you on the show today.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, It's what I'm passionate about and what I love.
0: Well, it absolutely shows. So tell me, in all the speaking that you're called on to do, what's the specific topic that you're called on to speak to the most?
1: Well, I'm I'm really an expert in the one area of service and experience. Uh, probably even more so in the actual concept of customer service. Experience used to be customer service, and it's grown into many other things. And along yes. along those lines, today there's a lot of companies out there, or, or consultants, speakers, whomever, that talk about uh, metrics and surveys and data driven. And and while I get into that a little bit, my, my big focus is on how the person actually experiences either the people or the product.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure you'd agree there's been a bit of a customer experience revolution with the amount of data and information that companies have access to that they use to help them craft superlative customer experiences. How would you say that's impacted the kinds of conversations that you have with your clients?
1: Well, I love that so much is happening technologically. I mean, you've got social media that's a huge topic in itself, how companies can be better at giving customer value, experience, support, that type of thing with social. You've got technology, just the fact that uh, we've got multiple channels on how to connect with a customer. I mean, they call it multi or omni channel. And I love that. I mean, there's so many great things coming out of the pike there. Data, Mm -hmm. that is huge. And, and again, while I'm not the expert in how to go about creating it, you know, I brainstorm with my clients on the right questions to use. Uh, here's mm-hmm. the thing about data. Data is great, but you got to have something to do with the data. So make sure you don't overwhelm yourself and make sure you get the right data and know ahead of time what you plan to use with it or do with it. Because when you have it, if you don't use it, it's basically, you know, garbage. I mean, it's, it's a lot of effort and a lot of money spent for nothing. But data analytics um, love working with IBM on their data mm-hmm. analytics and and all the things they're doing. They they bought they bought the weather company, which is which owns the Weather Channel. They bought everything but the TV aspect of the weather company, I, I, and they had a great presentation at a conference that I attended, and I was amazed at how weather is such a driver of analytics when it comes to customer behavior. Huh. I mean, it blew
0: my mind, and it totally makes sense, right? Like I'm thinking about the times that I've purchased an umbrella. I don't think I have ever purchased an umbrella on a sunny day. I've only purchased umbrellas when it's super cloudy out or when it's actually raining. So when you think about it, it kind of totally makes sense, right? So think about
1: this. I mean, I, 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 when I do a presentation about data analytics, here's what I start out saying. I say, I love ice cream. I mean, I, I really love ice cream, but you know what? I don't eat ice cream all the time. And the people who market ice cream to me, they know that. They know when I buy. They know what time of year I buy. They know what days of the week I buy. They know what the temperature is outside (laughs) when I buy ice cream. And they know that I'm not going to go out. And and by the way, I go to the ice cream store probably on Friday and Saturdays to get an ice cream. I don't go during the week. And they don't know why, but I'll tell you why. It's because I try not to eat desserts during the week. But I don't buy ice cream in the middle of winter. And they know that because they're tracking my buying pattern to the temperature outside. As a matter of fact, they know that the average time that I buy ice cream, it's 82 degrees out. So if you send me a coupon (laughs) or some marketing piece on a Tuesday morning in the middle of winter, you're wasting your time, my time, and I may decide to check out of whatever marketing and promotions I've agreed to accept from you in, Mm -hmm. in, in the past.
0: Absolutely. Really, really good point. Now, moving the conversation to the kinds of speaking engagements that you're called on to do for your clients, what would you say are the three most, let's say, common or popular requests that your clients have of you?
1: Well, most of them, uh, I I think I try to promote that customer service isn't a department, it's a philosophy. That goes for experience Mm -hmm. as well. Everybody drives that experience. Everybody in the organization has some impact on the customer. And if they don't, they probably won't have a job very long because somebody's gonna figure that out. And I, I, and that's why it doesn't mean that the guy in the warehouse who never ever interacts with an outside customer doesn't impact the customer, they do in a tremendous way. You know, maybe when they're picking and packing merchandise off of shelves and putting it into a box, if they accidentally leave something out or they put it in the box and they don't pack it properly and it becomes damaged, on, on the way. I mean, that's an mm-hmm. experience that when the customer opens up and they go, oh, wow, they missed something. Now it's going to take me three more days to get that. And I've got a call to tell them and who knows what paperwork they're going to make me fill out. If the item is damaged right. because it wasn't properly packed when it was shipped, whose fault is that? It's the guy in the warehouse or the gal in the warehouse. And and that's the point. So many times people have impact on the customer. They don't realize it. So we must, when we go into a company, educate everybody And their role in that customer's experience.
0: I know, right? It's so hard to keep a customer-centric mindset, especially if you don't encounter the customer every day. So with that in mind, what advice might you give to companies that want to shift their culture a little bit and develop a customer-centric mindset, particularly with those departments or individuals that aren't frequently encountering a customer?
1: Well, I mean, I can go a bunch of different directions with this question, but let me just throw the first thing out. You know, I think I Mm -hmm. made it clear it's everybody's job. Service is not a department. It's a philosophy. Now, Mm -hmm. what we need to do is we need to journey map and show, what not just on the front line what happens with customers, but what's impacting it behind the scenes. You know, I may be taking a trip somewhere and I go to the airport and I check my bags at the curb and I go inside and I see the gate agent and I and, and I see the flight attendant and all those are very frontline focused activities. But the guy behind the scenes who when my bag went down the conveyor belt, picked up my luggage, my bag, put it on the right cart, got it to the right plane, got it to the right baggage carousel, lots of people involved. So I think first and foremost, we need to identify where everybody fits. The second thing I want to talk about is in order to drive the culture, it's really got to start mm-hmm. at the top with some type of an initiative, some type of a bold statement that says this is what we are when it comes to customer service or experience. My favorite to talk about is the Ritz-Carlton. They they have a credo and it's, it's nine words long. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. Anybody that comes there figures it out and they know it. That's what they do. When you go to work at the Ritz-Carlton, you know that's your job. So executive level, C-level, leadership level, they have to define it. Then it needs to be communicated. Then you have to train to it, and you train everybody what their role is. That's why that that journey map with the impact points behind the scenes is so important. Uh, So number three is you train to it. Number Mm -hmm. four is leadership demonstrates the way it should be done. Number five is you keep it in alignment. If it's going out of alignment or a person is out of alignment with this mission, you need to bring them back in. And number six is to celebrate when it works. It's my little, what I call simple six-step process that's not always easy. It's just simple to understand.
0: And Shep, what's super interesting about that is that you've touched on something that's been thematic in other conversations that we've had on this show, which is the role of the C-level leadership Within the organization to create the customer centric culture, what would you say to the role of the C level and their their function in establishing a customer centric focus for their company?
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm down here in the United States, the southernmost province of Canada. Uh, <laughs> well, it's very
0: nice of you to say, and as you know, I'm um, Canadian, and sometimes I like I hear like we're the 51st state, eh? So. Uh, <laughs> It's nice to hear the shoe on the other foot.
1: So well, you speak. know what? I had to say that because, you know, we're entering the Stanley Cup finals and uh, I know how big you guys are in hockey and we got to include, uh, <laughs> we got to be included in there. Oh, I won't go there. You probably know what I'm talking about. But anyway, no, here's the point. There was a, a president of the United States way back. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, I'm going to say about 50, 60 years ago it was Harry Truman. And he had a statement. Yep. He used to say the buck stops here. And that means he's taken full responsibility for anything that happens underneath him in his reign of power as president of the United States. He knows if, uh, and, and this is the way it works in the military. You know, uh, you may be a general, and if one of your underlings messes up, it's your job to fix it, or you are responsible. I mean, uh, you know, you have people in command, in, you know, responsibilities and roles, and sure. they are responsible for the people that are underneath them. So, um, you know, I think that as far as leadership goes, leadership needs to understand that they are at the top making decisions. They are role models. You can't say do as I say, not as I do. You can't have incongruent behavior. It must be seamless. It must be a culture. Everybody needs to be in alignment. That's the only way a truly Mm -hmm. customer-focused company can work. Um, And I've seen this before where you know, the front line is like, well, hey, you know, we get this director from leadership. They have no idea what we go through. They have no they, no, they don't ever come down and see what happens. One of my favorite examples, and I mm-hmm. wrote about this back in the 1980s, I wrote about Anheuser Bush would send executives on route on, on in the trucks, in the beer trucks with salespeople so that they can experience what was happening out in the real world instead of their cushy offices. At the top of the tower. And I just thought that was great. Once a quarter, they were required to do that. I know of another company that started off very small and they had to have a customer support department. So, you know, they had three people in the company. So each one of them Mm -hmm. took a shift on the customer service. And eventually they realized how powerful this was. And even though today they've got a hundred and some odd people, they make sure that everybody takes a shift at least once a quarter to understand what customers. Are thinking of the company and how they're reacting to what it is that they do. I think that's very powerful.
0: Very powerful. And as you were telling me that story, Shep, I kind of got hung up on the idea that you wrote that article in the mid 80s. Like, clearly, you've been doing this since you were like 12 years old. (laughs) Um, So taking that Anheuser-Busch example, and now fast forwarding to today, you have a really interesting breadth of perspective in terms of flavors of the month or a long-term trend given that reality have you seen that the essentials have shifted at all or have the essentials remained the essentials even with all the technology we have at our fingertips so
1: that's a great question and and here's the easiest way to answer it there was a study done back in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) by uh, the technical assistant research program Uh, that was commissioned by the White House Office of Consumer Affairs under uh, senior George Bush's uh, run. This was what was interesting to me. They have all these stats and facts that, you know, of all the complainers, one in 26 customers actually make a complaint to the company. Uh, The rest of the people they complain about, you know, they'll talk to their friends. Now, that's amplified because of social media today. Yes. But if you start to look, you know, how many good things have to make up for a bad thing? It's, you know, the churn rate uh, and the cost of retaining customers is far lower than a churning customer that, you know, you have to constantly replace them as they, you know, come and go. All those stats were established back in the 80s. And if you look at the most recent stats in the last year or so, they haven't changed a whole lot. They really haven't. Now, technology has changed. I also believe that customers' expectations are changed. Steve Jobs did a wonderful job in creating the most incredible experience. Not only did he create great product. But when you got that product, just opening the box was an experience. Hence, people, uh, not a big part of what I think the value proposition today and experience is in design. Have you designed a product and the packaging that's really appealing to that customer? And I don't care what kind of business you're in; you can be in manufacturing of you know something that's a product that you know has a lot of grease and oil on it, you know, but it's still the same thing. Or you can get that nice white pristine box that that Apple iPhone came in. You know, it's, it doesn't, it's just, it's the way it's put together. Mm-hmm. And that's just the design phase part of the experience. You know, how easy is it for us to do business with each other? Well, today it's easier than ever. You know, remember back when I wrote that article, uh, I don't think you went online. I don't even think, uh, I don't think Al Gore had even invented the internets. Or no, that was George Bush that called it the internets, but Al mm-hmm. Gore did claim to invent it the, the- internet. Right. <laughs> Seriously, you know, the internet wasn't around in the 80s. Well, it was, but not to us. Uh, I remember uh, back when I got my right. first email address, it was a bunch of numbers followed by at CompuServe.com or at Prodigy.com. Today, things are faster. Sure. You can video, uh, have live streaming video with a customer support rep. You can have instant chat, uh, you know, emails, one way of communicating, but it's a very slow way but it's still one of the more popular ways. You know, you don't need to pick up the phone to get support. You can go onto uh, onto Google and just simply type in your question and good companies have placed great videos or information pieces out there for their customers to pick up when they have a question. I mean, it's a phenomenal thing that we're going through. Consequently, the customer has learned how and what to expect, how to do it what to expect, what a good service experience really looks like, so the bar is raised, and everybody has to deliver mm-hmm. at that level. So customers are smarter. Companies need to step up if they want to maintain that edge.
0: Uh huh. Stepping up. What an important concept. Companies need to be ready to up their game because we as consumers are getting more savvy. And I love that you brought in Apple to this conversation. I'm thinking of Apple during Steve Jobs' leadership And at that time, Apple was all about blowing us away. You know, every new product release seemed to change our lives just a little bit, right? And it was super, super exciting. And as I say that, I'm glancing at your list of books here. Moments of Magic, The Amazement Revolution, Amaze Every Customer, Every Time. In your view, what role does amazement have in driving a super customer experience?
1: So we have to define what amazement is. And when I start out, people think that amazement is mm-hmm. all about that, wow, blow me away. And the truth of the matter is you can't blow somebody away every mm-hmm. single interaction you have. I mean, just answering the phone is right. not a blow away right. experience. <laughs> so, but somebody answering the phone in a pleasant, positive voice, that is a positive experience. Maybe that's better than somebody going, <laughs> what do you want? you know, no doubt, you know, that's the one extreme, but maybe the way somebody answers the phone and their tone of voice, you know, uh, when we answer the phone here, we don't say Shep Hyken's office. We say, good morning, Shep Hyken's office. This is so-and-so may I help you. Okay. A positive interaction. That's not blow me away, but that's Mm -hmm. probably a little better than average, a tiny bit better than average. So amazing companies are consistently and predictably a little above average like that. And anybody, when there's a problem, can step up and fix the problem and look like a hero. But day in and day out, can you still be above average all of the time? And that's, uh, and again, I emphasize, it's just a little above average. And I walk into a hotel, and a hotel that's very guest or customer focused, everybody says hello when you walk by. They engage you with eye contact and a head nod and maybe even verbal interaction. Everybody, not some of the people, but that's what they're training their people to do because that's the idea. Amazing companies are consistent, they're predictable, and they're always creating a little bit above average experiences with the opportunity to spike a good one in there when there's an opportunity or a problem or or an issue.
0: Got it. And it's so hard to do that, which brings me to, very sadly, my last question. And Shep, you've been so generous with your time and your insights today. I really do want to thank you. And my question is around Readiness to spike the ball. You know, those opportunities don't happen all the time. So the trick is to be ready for it when that opportunity crosses your path. For those companies that do want to be ready to spike the ball, what advice would you give to them so that when the opportunity happens, they're ready to go?
1: Well, there's several things that come to mind. And the obvious one is, you know, listen for the customer who's got a problem or a complaint and then go to work at not just fixing it, but resolving it to a level that increases confidence. So when they do work with you, they go, I can count on them. Even when there's a problem, Mm -hmm. I know they're going to step up and do the right thing. So uh, that's important. And that's where most people spike it. And that's where it goes and does real well, because the customer's given them the opportunity. They brought them the gift of an opportunity to not just fix it, but but increase confidence. But here's an exercise that everybody can do. Uh, And I don't care how big or small the company is. Everybody can do this. Just write down on an index card, everybody, all the employees, when in the last two weeks did I create a great customer experience for either an internal or external customer? Just write that down. You don't have to write a novel. Just keep it on an index card, a few sentences, bullet points, just to give the idea of what it is. And, you know, it's really interesting. We do this in our office every single week, mm-hmm. day, week in and week out. And, I, and I'll tell you what happened. We started hearing some of the most simple ones. By the way, you're not looking for the big opportunity. You're looking for any accolade that you heard. If somebody says, hey, nice job, appreciate the good work. That's a moment of magic. Write it down. Why did Why did that person say that? So what happens is over a period of time, you start to see patterns emerge And one of the patterns that we saw is that our clients were so impressed when we returned a phone call or an email really quickly. You know, somebody would send in an inquiry, um, hey, we're interested in having you speak on such and such a date. And a minute later, because it goes to all of our computers in our office, a minute later, somebody's on the phone with the client saying, hey, we just noticed. And they go, (laughs) wow, that was fast. Now what's interesting is that they may have sent an inquiry out to three other people just like me. I'll, I'm not going to tell you they don't do it as fast, but some of them not only wait a couple of days. I know of a few people that have told me that some of the speakers and training companies that they called ne- or, or uh, you know sent an email hmm. to never responded at all. That kills me. I don't get it. But one of the patterns we saw emerging was people like that fast response. So we've made it a policy in our group that anybody that emails you, unless you're out to lunch or it's in the middle of the night, you know they're going to get a a response back within one business hour, if possible. That's the goal. We'll accept three, but that's still far better than most. So everybody gets that courtesy of a response or a phone call, and, and we typically do it even faster than that. But we saw that pattern of customers being impressed by that. That became systematized. It wasn't random anymore that we would do it it's something that's clear to all the people we work with.
0: Really really interesting example and what i like most about that is that organizations are often spending their focus on opportunities to let's say blow it out of the park rather than looking at those opportunities where they can raise the bar just a little bit and do that consistently. And that's really sort of what makes a makes makes a sustainable difference for our customer experience. Well, Thank you very much, Shep. You know, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And once again, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Really, really appreciate
1: it. Well, thanks, Pat. My pleasure. Anytime. Love talking about this. So uh, maybe <laughs> we'll come back one day and do a part two.
0: Aw, thanks, Shep. I would love for that to happen. That'd be amazing. So, and for all of you out in podcast land, if you're looking for your next speaker for your next customer service or customer experience event, Shep, is your guy. He will absolutely (laughs) blow it out of the park. So once again, Shep, thank Thank you. you. And I'll pass it over to you for any final words of wisdom to these folks as they go out into the world of making amazing customer experiences.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll just tell everybody, just go out there and be amazing.
0: Show notes to this episode and every other episode can be found on our website, www.patpurdue.com or find me on Twitter, pat purdue until next time make every customer experience a great customer experience